It's a horror movie come to life, The Return of the Medfly. When the Medfly reemerges in California in July of 1989, entomologist Jim Carrey is ready. He's still a young academic, but he spent time studying the Medfly in Hawaii. He's seen the monster up close. James Carey is a medfly expert who worries that California officials may be underestimating how difficult it is to eliminate the threat. In the early 80s, Carey could only watch from the outside when the state convened its advisory panel of scientists. But for this outbreak, Carey is on the inside. He's on the panel, and he feels like this is his moment to save California. But the group isn't the high-minded salon for men of science that Carey had envisioned. It's not a chance for him to present his big-picture thoughts on the invasion. Nobody asks him about what he thinks the state's eradication strategy should be. Instead, Carrie gets asked small technical questions, like how much bait workers should be putting in medfly traps. It doesn't take long for Carrie to believe that the panel is more interested in politics than it is in science. Here's one example. We'd vote on how many eggs a medfly'd lay. <laughs> you know, this is something that you can actually go to the literature on. It seems like it was meant to sort of give cover to the state government uh, for what they were going to do anyway. No, you got it. One thing I learned, you come in as bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, young assistant professor thinking this is going to be some objective panel. And of course, they pick panelists that are going to support their position, basically. And they didn't really know what they were getting when they appointed me. Even though his fellow panelists don't seem to want to listen to him, being on the panel does give Kerry certain privileges. And one of them is access to the state's meticulously compiled data on the Medfly. It's printed on a series of 3x5 cards kept in a steel cabinet in Sacramento. Each card shows the exact location of a medfly the state has caught in a trap. So Kerry plots them all out, and he sees something surprising. The new infestation matches up almost exactly with the one from nearly a decade ago. The flies are reappearing in the same place. The only way Kerry can make sense of this is to conclude that the invasion of 1989 isn't a new invasion at all. He begins to think the flies never left. Sure, they were suppressed by the aerial malathion spraying, but enough survived for the medfly to flare up again. In other words, Kerry believes that the medfly is established in California. In his view, it's become part of California's insectoid landscape. This is a huge deal, because if that's true and the California government admits it, the entire state has to be quarantined. America's fruit basket would have to stop exporting fruit. That would be an economic disaster. Behind closed doors, Kerry does not believe his fellow panelists agree with his conclusions. Kerry will eventually take his theory public. But in the meantime, California's fight against the medfly continues apace. And once again, the citizens are unhappy. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. From Campside Media, I'm Bijan Steven, and you're listening to Eclipsed. 
The last time the Mediterranean fruit flies infested California, they destroyed $400 million worth of crops before they were eradicated. Now, they're back. When the medfly re-emerged in California in 1989, the state braced for a repeat of the crisis of the early 1980s. Back then, aerial spraying of malathion had sent the state into chaos and put a serious dent in then-Governor Jerry Brown's political career. But spraying did seem to be the only thing capable of getting rid of the medfly and saving California's crops. Now there's a new governor, Republican George Dukmejian, and the medflies are back, despite having been declared eradicated. The solutions that worked the last time are still unpopular, and the state again faces the question of whether aerial spraying can get rid of the medfly before its citizens revolt. But as the medfly eradication program expands, so do the protests. Clearly the state has bungled this operation. Everything comes to a head when a group of suspected bioterrorists realize they can use the medfly as a weapon. This is the third and final part of our three-part series on the medfly invasion. This is episode three, The Reemergence. These days, Ashley Dunn is a weekend editor at the LA Times. But at the time of the new outbreak, he was the main reporter assigned to cover the Medfly reemergence. This was one of the first big beats I had. I think they gave it to me because I was kind of like the young and new reporter who would cover it without complaint. People would laugh about it, you know, like you're covering a fly. And I said, well, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a bug, but it's, it's a good story. Dunn points out that the L.A. sprawl isn't just hundreds of square miles of concrete. There is a lemon tree or a guava bush in just about every residential yard. It's almost like a giant dispersed urban farm, which makes the medfly that much harder to eradicate. And when the medfly reemerges, it becomes clear that the government learned one lesson from the last invasion. Spray aggressively. Officials plan to spray infested communities up to a dozen times. Another must be coming closer right now. Right. There were times at night when you would look up into the sky and you would see uh, just a, a, a phalanx of, of helicopters flying over the night sky and they'd work the sky all night. It was like Apocalypse Now or something. You'd wake up in the morning and your car would be covered with these little dots of, of sticky malathion. There was huge opposition to this. People were really mad. Malathion can cause eye and throat irritation, chest tightness. This is a conservative talk show host named Wally George. So how can you say that uh, malathion is not dangerous, you stupid moron? To be crystal clear, malathion is harmless to humans, but people were still pretty mad about the spring. I mean, did you hear that guy? If anybody needs a straight jacket, it's this guy! California citizens are angry. And one group in particular decides to do something about it. In December of 1989, the mayor of L.A., an ex-cop named Tom Bradley, gets a mysterious letter from a group calling themselves the Breeders. The letter is typewritten, two pages long. It opens with a rant against the aerial spraying campaign that is now in full effect across stretches of urban California. To quote them, The biosphere of the planet is on the verge of collapse. 
pesticides are in the food, the water, the soil, and the air. All this because some of us suffer rapacious and narrow-minded greed. The letter goes on to make a radical claim. It says the breeders have been living up to their name. They've been secretly producing medflies and releasing them into the wild at strategic points in Los Angeles County. The breeders say they're doing this in order to make the medfly outbreak so large the state can't control it anymore and has to give up on spraying. Of course, spraying only happens when new medflies are found. But the breeders say they're doing this intentionally, which is pretty strange logic. But no one ever said bioterrorists were logical. Anyway, the letter goes on to make a threat that the California government can't help but take seriously. The breeders say that if the spray program doesn't stop, they're going to release medflies in the San Joaquin Valley. That's a hugely important agricultural area. An outbreak there would be devastating. It's all very strange. Some officials wonder if the breeders are even real, but they can't afford to just dismiss them. There's a book about the use of insects as weapons called Six-Legged Soldiers. It talks about the breeders. And its author managed to track down the USDA's documents from the time. Those papers show that the USDA believed the breeders could have been real. Which is especially notable today, because if that's true, that means they were the first successful bioterrorists in the United States. Back in 1989, the crisis is unfolding. The medflies are threatening America's most important agricultural state. And the breeders are claiming they have the power to spread the outbreak even further. There's definitely some circumstantial evidence that points to the breeders being real. Workers keep finding female flies just outside the spray zones, which supports the breeders' claim that they're intentionally expanding them. Scientists also can't figure out why they keep finding flies in these areas, but not the larvae that should also be there. Once Mayor Bradley got the letter, the LAPD sprang into action. And so did the Office of the Inspector General at the USDA. In February of 1990, government investigators attempted to make contact with the breeders. They did so via the personal messages section of the Los Angeles Times Classifieds. It's kind of like the misconnection section of Craigslist. Their message read, Breeders, if you're for real, send one of your little friends to P.O. Box 1549, Los Angeles, California, 90053. We want to talk. Call John at USDA. 213-894-5828 between 9 and 10 a.m. And indeed, an unidentified male called John at the appointed hour. He said, John, this is the breeders. A medfly is on its way to you in the mail. We are definitely going to release again if any more spraying is done. Bye. From the USDA's perspective, more spraying needs to be done in order to end the outbreak. But if they keep spraying, then the breeders might spread the outbreak anyway. One might say the medfly trappers are now caught in a medfly trap of their own.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The breeders never sent that package containing a medfly to the USDA. But medflies did continue to appear in odd places throughout the state. To this day, the breeders were never caught. And no one is quite sure whether they even existed in the first place. I mean, of course, someone sent the letters and called the USDA. But whether they were actually breeding and releasing medflies is unclear. For his part, Jim Carrey doesn't believe the breeders released flies. But he does say medflies tend to bring out the crazies. I gave a talk once and somebody asked, do, do medflies like crawl out of these earthquake faults or something? And I go, okay. <laughs> okay. I want to pause here for a moment to say, breeders, if you're still out there and you listen to podcasts, we want to hear from you. Please leave us a message at 949-490-2127. Okay, back to the story. The state government pressed forward with the spray campaign into 1990, at which point they declared California was once again medfly-free. They actually declared this multiple times, as reporter Ashley Dunn explains. They would declare victory, which meant that they hadn't trapped a fly in quite a while. But, you know, even though they had a pretty extensive trapping network around the city, it's kind of like, well... Really? Are you that confident to think you've got every single med fly in L.A.? Yeah, like, hmm. What Dunn is saying gets at the crux of the issue. Just how is California supposed to keep the Mediterranean fruit fly out of its fruit-filled Mediterranean climate? People have mostly forgotten about the med fly. But to this day, California remains vigilant. They have to. Outbreaks continue to occur but they're put down quickly enough that the public doesn't notice. Which brings us back to entomologist Jim Carrey and his theory that the medfly is an established species in California, and has been since way back in 1980. When the panel he was appointed to wouldn't listen to his claims that the medfly was established, Carrey went public. He published a paper in the prestigious journal Science in 1991, which still gets cited regularly. And Carrey hasn't let his hypothesis go. In 2017, nearly 30 years later, Carey published another paper arguing that he's still right. They're very hard to detect. You can hang out in uh, backyards. It's clear that the, this is what they do. Backyards or whatever, and just have pockets there where they're never detected. What Carey is saying, in other words, is that the medfly has moved to California. It's always there, latent, waiting to spring up again. This is something the USDA adamantly disagrees with, which makes sense. More bugs are bad. But I wanted to know more. So last spring, I reached out to the California Department of Food and Agriculture to try and understand the state's medfly eradication program a little better. And they replied pretty quickly. They sent me a bunch of standard questions over email to determine what exactly we were looking for and how they could help. I mentioned that I talked to a biologist at the USDA and a professor at a UC. And then 
exactly three minutes later, I got an email back. The director of public affairs asked, who was the professor? I told them I'd spoken to Dr. Carey. And after that, they seemed to go on the defensive. They took way more time between emails. I had to follow up a bunch to even get non-committal responses. Whereas before, they seemed really eager to help. It was really, really strange. They even asked if the story we're doing, the story you're listening to right now, was going to be some kind of debate with Dr. Carey. The final email I got from them arrived last August. They said they were working on my request. So, as far as I know, I guess they still are. In the absence of a reassuring voice from the California government, let's get back to Jim Carrey and his scary stuff. Well, I think it's not a matter of if, but when. These are slow motion invasions. These are multiple decades. And so that somewhere way out there, uh, the medfly will eventually become a regular pest in the state. They're, uh, you know, being selected for this particular environment in California. So eventually, they're going to really be perfectly adapted to all parts of this state. Biologist Nick Manukis works for the U.S. Department of Agriculture as, among other things, a medfly researcher. When I asked him what he thought of Jim Carrey's theory that medflies are established in California, he said he wasn't allowed to comment. Which makes sense. Manukis isn't the USDA's representative. He's a guy who studies flies. In any case, his employers finally emailed us back with some intriguing information. The USDA wrote to us to say they have a plant protection and quarantine program. One of its jobs is to analyze the genetics of medfly outbreaks, including in California. Contra Jim Carrey, the USDA basically said, because the plant quarantine scientists didn't see medflies during, quote, international travel disruptions, aka the pandemic, they don't think there's an established population in California. And that makes sense, right? It's what you might call a natural experiment. The USDA also got back to us with more news about quarantines. Okay, so before, because of how weird the California food people had been, I thought that if anyone decided the medfly was established in California, the state would have to start limiting all of its agricultural exports. And that's partially true. But the feds clarified how they come up with quarantines. Those determinations are based on surveillance data, basically the information you get from medfly traps. The USDA said that if there were a quarantine in California, they would work with the California Department of Food and Agriculture to figure out where it needed to be isolated. And then they'd regulate the potentially infected fruits or vegetables between states. But the stuff that wasn't affected could leave freely. Also, they added, in places where medflies are established, you can still export fruit after inspection and treatment. It's the recipients of that produce that set the standards for importing goods. Okay, one last thing. The USDA added that recent medfly outbreaks in California have been in residential areas, not in places where fruit is grown commercially. But I still wanted to know more about the future of the medfly here in the U.S. So I put the question to Nick Manukas because, again, while he's not a spokesperson, he is a fly guy. I hope it doesn't have a future in the rest of America and and that it won't become a problem. I, I am concerned that You never know, you know, there could be a a slip in the monitoring programs. I don't know. I don't know what could happen. The world is still so full of mysteries. Producer Lane had one last question for Nick. 
how many medflies or larvae of any fruit fly do you think we eat a year without knowing? I want to attach an actual number to that, but uh, I, I don't think I reliably can do that. If you wanted to do your own research, you could check if there's any protein listed in your orange juice carton. Oh. Whoa. It's a little off-putting to folks, um, but not dangerous. In conclusion, one day the medfly might take over California and eat all of our yummy, yummy fruit. But if that happens, we won't starve. We can just eat the bugs. Next week, a friend of the pod tells us about a very famous egg. Eclipse is a production of Campside Media. It's hosted by me, Bijan Steven, and written by Michael Canyon-Meyer. We're produced by Lane Gerbig and Joe Hawthorne. Allison Haney is our production assistant. Archival research by Caitlin Rathy. We're fact-checked by Alex Yabwan. Our engineer is Garrett Tiedemann. Our theme song is by Doug Slaywin. Our executive producers are me, Bijan Steven, and Michael Chessburster Canyon Meyer. The executive producers at Campsite Media are Matt Shayer, Adam Hoff, Josh Dean, and Vanessa Gregoriadis. Special thanks also to Professor Jim Carey, Nicholas Manukas, Ashley Dunn, and the California Department of Food and Agriculture. You know why. If you want to say hello or what's up, drop us a line at eclipse at campsitemedia.com or tweet at us at EclipsePod. And if you want to follow me on social media, you can find me at Bijan Steven on Twitter and Twitch. On Instagram, I'm Bijan Cakes. We also have a phone number, as you may have heard in this episode. Leave us a message, pitch us a story, or tell us that you're a breeder. Give us a call at 949-490-2127. You might be featured on an upcoming episode. Thanks for listening. See you next time.